Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 121. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. Welcome to our 2020 year in review. Good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's funny because we actually, we are going to expand the window a little bit here because a lot happened on Disney+. Plus, and that's where, like, the entire year was so Disney Plus-centric. I almost feel like Kermit in Muppet Vision 3D, where it's, we invited the best and brightest scientists <laughs> in the world, but none of them showed up. Uh, so, so we're going to expand the window a little bit because I think... Uh, I, I'm not going to focus on the bad news of 2020. I think what was so pivotal about this year really was Disney Plus and what it became in 2020 because the way the year shook out. Well, you just used the operative word, right? Pivotal. That was how everybody dealt with this year. Yeah. Is I they mean, just kind of had to take it as it comes and pivot. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Disney Plus was going to do well no matter what. But I think they thrived because of what happened this year. And I think they got, I mean, obviously they got more subscribers than they ever anticipated. But I think a lot of that was because people were stuck at home. And, you know, especially for those people that couldn't get to the parks, when you had these new titles, especially a lot of these docuseries, you've got to feel so connected with things like the Imagineering story yes. and Animal Kingdom. Right. And we'll talk about basically all of this uh, as we kind of walk you guys through this year in review, 13 months in review, Disney Plus retrospective. <laughs> right, because we were actually, I think we had kicked around the idea when Disney Plus first came out yeah. because there was just so much great content. We were like, all right, we'll do a revisit a year from now. And obviously that didn't happen, but we decided to save it for now. So let's just get right into it here. The launch day. November 12th, 2019, we were in the Magic Kingdom. I remember specifically waking up to get on a bus to Magic Kingdom because we had an early breakfast reservation at Be Our Guest and making sure that I had downloaded the Disney Plus app. And like the rest of you, it crashed on me. <laughs> um, but I remember that day. I remember thinking to myself, the world is forever changed. And I want to revisit that thought at the end of this episode, okay? But November 12th, we got a number of launch titles. Yes, and while some people binged on those, we binged on Magic Kingdom because we had the early breakfast reservation followed by Very Merry. We did like a record 16 hours in the park that day, I think. We, yeah, we, we spent It's what six, we trained for. We spent 16 hours in the Magic Kingdom I don't that think day. I've ever eaten so much in my life. No. But we, I mean, we came back to the room with gingerbread cookies. It, it was a day. It was, it, like, seven-year-old me in 1993 would have been so proud of myself now. I'm just saying. But that is nothing compared to the amount of time that an Imagineer spends in any Disney park or even the years leading up to the most simple thing like shovels going into the ground for a groundbreaking. And I think that's why it was so exciting to get that peek behind the curtain with the Imagineering story. This was one of the titles that we were probably most looking forward to with Disney Plus, and I think it delivered in every aspect. It's It was like everything, because we love Waking Sleeping Beauty. Mm -hmm. um, and while it wasn't such a good, bad, and ugly story, they still did do a good job of peeling back the curtain and showing that not everything was flawless when these parks opened and i think that that's important right because like you said it's a docu-series and you can only disneyfy something so much i mean at the at the root of this this is a business and and you kind of get that peek behind the curtain with the struggles that come with dealing with um you know black tops still being hot because they were up against a timeline right. or dealing with conflicting cultures that maybe didn't want Mickey Mouse. And I know that was the big thing with, with France, especially. So 
I love stuff like this, the real edutainment stuff. And I'm looking forward to getting more of this on Disney Plus, more of this peek behind the curtain sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's such an important series for Disney Files to have because so many people who love the parks will go and do their homework and they will research the story behind the rides and all the details and everything right down to the hidden Mickeys. But this does such a great job of giving you the small minutia and the broad scope of what was going on with the company. What I'm hoping they do is obviously they're not they're not putting a fifth gate at Walt Disney World. They're not adding any more parks that we know of right now, right? However, we do have attractions that are getting ready to open, like uh, the Ratatouille ride, like Cosmic Rewind, Guardians of the Galaxy. <clears throat> and I remember when they used to have attractions open, and you would get like that special on the wonderful world of Disney. Mm-hmm. And they would kind of give you the... And it was usually some like TGIF kid that would uh, get the peek behind the curtain and they'd go over the making of. I'm hoping that they kind of piggyback the Imagineering story into something where they do a mini series about the development and the troubleshooting that comes with some of these new attractions. I agree, but not in the sense of I hope they do a season two because... I think this should be a one-off docu-series. It took you from opening day of Disneyland right up until the opening of Batu, And, you know, Magic Kingdom is celebrating 50 years this year. So I think it just tells such a complete story the way that they did it and what they chose to focus on, focus on to get us to today. I don't know that it would benefit from a season two unless you waited, you know, another 40 or 50 years to do it. Because yeah. that's also, you know, it's not just the history that they gave us. It's the way that they told the story. And they showed us the failures and the triumphs. And you can't necessarily do that until you've had time to get away from it and reflect back on it to figure out what worked and what didn't. Yeah. Speaking of reflecting back on things, we all have that VHS tape somewhere in our house of you in the school play and you cringe at the thought of ever coming across it. And that's why I loved Encore so much. I didn't think I was going to love Encore as much as I did. Um, it ended up becoming a very much a guilty pleasure of mine to the point where there were weeks where we would watch Encore before we watched anything else that dropped. Yeah, this was the big surprise for me. I mean, I was in just knowing that Kristen Bell was involved, um, but I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. And I think, again, that has to do with Disney storytelling. I really wasn't expecting to go so deep into people's personal stories. You know, of course it's going to be, all right, well, I was this way in high school and I'm coming back now and I have A, B, and C to prove. But I really wasn't expecting to see the tears and just such a personal look into people's lives and how deep they were going to get with the individuals as opposed to focusing on the group as a whole. Yeah, you kind of just envision this idea that these are just going to be mostly bad American Idol auditions that they have to like fix and groom these people. And don't that happens and the comedy is there, but there was so much more drama. And like I hate to say it because, you know, at at the time of this recording, I'm 15 years out of high school and and I've had people from my graduating class that are no longer with us. But you never think that that's what they're going to talk about in this series. You don't think they're going to touch on, oh, this person was a lead and now they're not with us anymore. Or, or the teachers that meant so much to them. There was so much heart behind this series that I am excited because I would imagine that another season is going to come once they can start doing shoots like this again. And I'm excited to see Encore come back. Well, it's not just going to be the shoots. Unfortunately, it's going to be, can you perform to an audience? So right. we might be waiting for a while. But um, 
yeah, I agree with you. I, I of course, they're going to cast the couple that was in the play and has since broken up and try to create the drama. But you really didn't expect to see such heartfelt stories come out of it. And I also thought it was going to be a bunch of theater kids now grown up and they were being placed in front of a camera again. So what I really wasn't expecting was how much it meant to people to revisit that time in their life. And it was, again, a credit to the storytelling. They made it so relatable because even if you weren't in theater in high school, taking that trip back down memory lane was something that everybody could identify with. Yeah. Speaking of high school musicals. The musical. The the series. Uh, I liked this more than you did. And I'm almost embarrassed as to how much I enjoyed high school musical, the musical, the series. Was it cheesy? Yes. But I felt that they were telling a really good story and I thought that the funny was there. My fear with this show was that it was going to be Disney's ripoff of Glee, which is a show that I couldn't stand and still hate. And I kind of felt like the building blocks were there for that exact thing to happen. But they found a way to not make it a ripoff of Glee. Not a total ripoff of Glee. I feel like that's exactly what happened. Right down to the bad writing and kids being shuffled around dating each other. But that's just high school, though. Not the bad writing, but the shuffling kids around and the drama. I feel like there's only so much... I mean, they they do it in our favorite movie, Grease. You know, I mean, that social circle. And, and that's that's a story of like seven people. But that's, that's kind of what high school is. But I just... Uh... I, I think this was too much of a good thing and you were trying to capitalize on the success of High School Musical yet again. What I honestly would have rather seen, and I'm really going out here. Uh-oh. I would have rather seen High School Musical 4. And we know how we feel <laughs> about mm. the fourth one. About the third one, you mean? No, about the fourth one. Oh. I'm saying in any series. Oh, yeah, Looking true. at you, Halloween Town. Yeah. Yeah, that one was really bad. I would have <laughs> rather beaten it into the ground with a fourth one th- than this. The The relationship with the, the drama teacher was just completely inappropriate. And she was trying to, I'm not a teacher. I'm the cool teacher, just like Mean Girls. It was just terrible. The only thing that I really appreciated about it was when they brought back Lucas Grabeel. Mm. And, and that was something that I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. So I can't imagine what that meant to the diehard fans to see him back. Sure. But I, I just don't think any of this worked. It, it was a cool theory that we're far removed enough from High School Musical where they were doing this as their school play. But I think it would have benefit from having their own storylines with these characters and then just making it their own high school story who happened to be performing High School Musical at the end of the year rather than try and weave it in so much we had three more drops in november um the mandalorian lady and the tramp and noel now we did episodes for these so we're just gonna i'll I'll let you guys know the mandalorian was a bonus episode lady and the tramp was episode number uh 72 and noel was episode number 66 we're gonna link all of these episodes in the show notes um you know, rather than sit here and rehash because we have entire episodes dedicated to them, we're going to move on to uh, December, where you had one day at Disney. And this is what I think you're going to see a lot of from Disney Plus in the last year, the or in the next year, I should say. A lot of these little five-minute and ten-minute sort of vignettes, um, whether it be... Uh, people's day at the park, whether it be somebody's day at work, much like a day at Disney or one day at Disney. Um, this was fun. I mean, I I didn't think it was anything different than anything that you'd so- sometimes see pop up on like Disney Parks blog. Um, but it was fine for what it was. It's just a little bit of content you'd get every now and again. I wanted more of it. 
I thought this was going to be more along the lines of the Imagineering story where it was going to be. And, and this is something where you could do a six or eight part series and then build and build season by season. Because what I like is that it's not just the parks and they showed you how many people work for the company day in and day out. And I think that that was really important to identify people who still have their own Disney magic and you don't necessarily have to be in Anaheim or Orlando to have that kind of experience. Um, Sadly, though, I think this is something they're going to have to maybe pump the brakes on for a while because unfortunately, and I don't want to keep harping on it, all of these layoffs, you know, and it, it might not be fair to the people who did get furloughed to, hi- to highlight the people that still, I-, I mean, I can't say that that would make me terribly happy to see that, you know? No, but I'm thinking about it from a content creation perspective. It's quick and cheap. So if you need something quick and cheap to throw as an, uh, you know, as a Friday release to go along with WandaVision and whatever, just so that you have content coming, I can see this being rehashed. I get what you're saying, but I do think we're going to see more like this. Right. And I mean, there are enough cast members still working where you can keep doing these profiles, but I think it's just kind of in poor taste to do at the moment. I do want to clarify something. We've talked about the November and December releases. Sean and I are only talking about what we watched. We are not mentioning every single thing that dropped because admittedly, we there is so much we really couldn't get to at all. Right, and we do this show once a week called Monoreal Radio, where we have to watch a singular movie multiple times and then take the time to sit and discuss it with you. So it does take up quite a bit of time that would otherwise be used really delving into the new releases. Now, I'm not saying that as a complaint, but yeah, I mean, listen, like anybody else, we're still catching up on stuff too. Yeah, I just want to clarify that for those of you who are sitting there going, what about Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, with your checklists. Um, How about March? March 2020. What a jump. What a jump. Well, uh, again, we we couldn't watch everything. So the next thing that we did was Be Our Chef. I liked this show. It was fun. Um, I had hoped it would be more replicating things from the parks. I felt at times that they would take... I mean, listen, and it's it's families. And it's a lot of little kids. So I'm not trying to poo-poo on what they're doing. But I kind of thought this was going to be more like a MasterChef Junior. And there were times where I felt like they brought you to Ariel's Grotto and you were like, oh, well, she's got um, her red hair and she's got her tail, so we'll make, you know, a red and green cupcake. Or, you know, they played with the colors. And it's I'm not taking anything away from these kids, okay? Don't think I'm browbeating a, a kid. I thought this was a lot of fun. I liked most of the families that were involved. I did like the family that ultimately went on to win. And I would watch it again. But I thought there was going to be a little bit more to it. This was fun, but I kind of... I think based on the way that they teased it, I thought it was going to... I hate... I'm just going to... I thought it was going to be a little bit more polished. I agree. And it really hurts to hear you say that because... Before I even found out the show was coming to Disney Plus, I saw the job posting for it on a site that I used. So I knew about this for a really long time. I knew that it was going to the streamer and I was like, oh, my God, how cool. And of course, I went after it and tried to get on the crew, which unfortunately didn't work out. And I would like to think that I would have made it better because I do agree with you. Um, I get that they had to make it family friendly especially because they were appealing and they had very little kids on the show. So was I expecting Iron Chef, but for kids? No, absolutely not. But even with something like you said with MasterChef Junior, Gordon Ramsay has quite a reputation and he softens for that show. But he still pushes the kids to do their best. And I feel like that's not exactly what happened here and I think that they would have had they they should have made the decision like all right it's going to be an actual competition or 
it's just going to be like a feature of a family cooking. They did have the competition element because there was a clear winner and they did knock everybody out round robin style, which I liked. But there was still very much the sense of everybody gets a trophy. And as far as the challenges go, I think that they were, I don't mind that they were simplified, but I feel like there wasn't, this might sound crazy, there wasn't enough Disney in them. <laughs> I, or there I agree wasn't, with you, actually. There wasn't enough, I mean, the show oozes Disney, obviously, but there wasn't enough of the character. Like, they would go and do their character meet and greet, and I like that they tied their heritage or some sort of family tradition to what they were cooking. But as far as incorporating the character, it was just like oh, Moana's favorite food must be this or her favorite color's this. So let's put that in the dish. I thought it was either going to have to resemble a character in the aesthetic of the food or it was going to have to be something that encompassed the film a little bit more. Yeah. And even like some of those reward challenges, it was like, you have 30 seconds to throw as many apples in this basket as you can. And, and I, in that case, less Disney, more Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I felt like that was, I'm not going to say lazy, but that was lacking. I thought there would be a little bit more to that timed challenge. Or pair them age appropriately. Because a lot yes. of the times the parents would compete against a child and it it wasn't fair. Yeah. It, you can't have a 40-year-old man compete against a 6-year-old. Or even like a 12-year-old competing against a 4-year-old. In a skills competition. No. It's just it's, it's not fair. It, it, no. Um, speaking of not fair, Onward comes out in, in March because it did not... And this is what's unfair about Onward. I would have loved to have seen what its final box office would have been. We... Just to give you an idea of how quick we were to see it, we actually did get to see it in theaters for the whole like week and a half that it was actually in theaters when you could go see them uh, or go, go, go see a movie in the theaters. And I felt like Onward didn't get its fair shake when it comes to at least the box office. And quite honestly, there are certain movies that, hey, listen. I got a very comfortable couch. I got a nice television set. But there are certain movies that need to be seen in a movie theater. And I think this is one of those films. With that being said, we did do a live uh, watch party for this a few months ago, which is still up on our Facebook page. And eventually we will give it a proper review. What I will say about it is that I found it entertaining. I, I liked the cast. But there was a lot that I... There was a lot that I felt they could have done more. It, like it, I was I was left feeling like I I kind of don't know that I got a full story out of this. Do you, does that make sense? Because um, I don't I don't want to give away the whole review because we haven't reviewed it yet. But we are going to do it soon. Yeah, but it kind of left something there to be desired. No, I would agree with you, and I'm wondering. It's like a chicken and egg thing. Was it because of the movie or was it because of what was happening that Onward doesn't really get the fair shake? Uh, no, I think it's just the movie. Because remember, we did see it in theaters before everything kind of went to hell. So I kind of feel like it's it's a good movie. But I, there are movies on Disney Plus that also dropped this year that I thought were leaps and bounds better than Onward. I agree. So I'll leave it there because you are going to get our review of the film very soon. Moving on to May, Prop Culture dropped. We had a bonus episode. We have a great conversation with Dan Lanigan, the host of the show. Again, we'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. But one thing that I think we were very excited to finally get was It's a Dog's Life. And this is a show that, it's it's just fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not mind-bending. It's not earth-shattering. It's just fun. 
watching dogs go to work. I mean, that's basically what it is. It really is the perfect edutainment show because there were so many things that I didn't know they used dogs for. Like, of course, search and rescue. You kind of know you're going to get that. Right. But there were just so many places that they were utilizing these dogs as companions and, and to help people do their job that I had no idea about. Like even just the first episode with the whale poop, like I would have never known that. Yeah. Um, and I love that they cast Bill Farmer to be the host. Yeah. That was just perfect. It and doesn't he was get actually, more perfect than that. And he was a really good host because I kind of wondered like he is a voice actor, right? Like, how is he going to do being front and center on the other side of a camera hosting a show? But I felt like he was very natural. I mean, I didn't think he was going to go a yuck through his narration, but um, it was definitely different hearing him like in that mode. Yes. You definitely, it reads goofy through and through, but um, you just didn't expect the polish and i don't mean that in a negative way it's it's just it all worked it worked great yes moving to june and i kind of just had to flip down this list here to get through the rest of the year because i needed to be confident in this statement that i'm about to make (laughs) the biggest surprise for me this year was into the unknown when they announced that they were doing into the unknown And we had already seen Frozen 2 a couple of times by this point. I thought, okay, so it's the making of Frozen 2. This is kind of just like bonus content that you'd get on a Blu-ray or a DVD. Almost gratuitous. I can't believe how good this was. I can't believe how good it was. I can't believe how... Even though you know the movie was a hit, and even though you knew the movie was spectacular, how much draw? I was at the edge of my seat, and I had already I had already seen the movie like a half a dozen times. I think that was the biggest success of this series, and you know I said it before. This is the third time I'm saying it, and I I, I feel like you, at the risk of repeating myself. There you go. Disney storytellers truly are the best at what they do. When you take something like this. And we all know that it's a major success and we all know that the film is great and we all know that the music is wonderful. But when we're sitting there going, oh my God, how are they going to finish this song? You obviously know what's going to happen and yet they still make you nervous about it. And I'm glad that you said that because I thought that that was something that I related to having worked up against a deadline like that. And there's a point where you're just completely overwhelmed to the point where you don't know how you're going to finish it and you don't know how you're going to deliver it on time. So I thought maybe that's why I was sweating this out more than most people, but they really did just do an amazing job of telling the story. And, you know, same thing, like I said, with the Imagineering story, they show you the good and the bad and the high and the low of it. And I think if there's one thing that everybody can take away from this is that you don't, because everybody loves frozen. It wasn't all just there laid out in front of the filmmakers. Like the story wasn't always obvious. The music wasn't always just coming naturally. And I think, I don't think people expected that for there to be such a struggle to get this film out. But I'm really glad that they show the process because this wasn't just exclusive to Frozen. I mean, there's a lot of pressure because it's Frozen 2 and and it's got such avid fans. But I really appreciate that they showed what the filmmaking process is and how you start with one thing and it, it becomes entirely another and how many things change and how many decisions there are behind what you see on the screen. I want more like this. I'm not yes. I'm not saying you need to do it for every film, but I would love to see more of these types of shows on Disney Plus because as we get further and further away from hard copies of films, you're going to lose bonus features. You're going to lose making of and behind the scenes. And I feel like this is really important because the way you talked about Disney files that love to watch the Imagineering story. There are cinephiles that love to watch 
featurettes on 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 DVDs and Blu-rays, and I feel like it would behoove Disney. And it doesn't even need to be a whole series, perhaps like Into the Unknown. I mean, yeah, you want to do it for a Star Wars, you want to do it for a Frozen. That makes sense. But even if you just did like like a thirty minute making of that you release you know uh in conjunction with a major motion picture i feel like that's more of what i want to see on disney plus i i I mean i i think that people know us well enough to know that it's the peak behind the curtain stuff that we're really interested in and that is something that we talked about when we found out about the streaming service we were like what happens to all of these making ofs and that's something that we're really going to miss by not having a physical copy. Um, I thought that's what gallery was going to be because the way that they named the show, it was like gallery making of the Mandalorian. So I thought, okay, great. They're just going to do like the first season was Mandalorian. Second season will be something else. So I'm hoping that's eventually what we get is maybe, you know how they did like an inside the actor studio just something like that. And and it could be an ongoing series that highlights different films. Maybe not, like you said, going as in-depth. I don't think every film needs a six-part series. But I don't know that a half hour is enough either to give you that much coverage. Yeah. In July, we got Hamilton. Bonus episode. We'll link it in the show notes. We also got Muppets Now. And it pains me to say this. I, I just couldn't get into this. As mu- I love the Muppets. And, and the Muppets are one of those franchises that I thought, oh, this is so great if they get a new life on Disney+. Plus. I could not get into Muppets now. I loved the Muppet show that they had on ABC a few years ago. I wish they would have rebooted that because I think that got unjustly canceled right as they were hitting their stride. This just didn't do it for me. I agree with you. I think the perfect way to make the Muppets contemporary, aside from Siegel's film, was the latest installment on ABC because they did it as a night show. That's what people are into now. With Piggy as the host, it was it was the perfect drama. Everybody's role was perfect. Um, you know, and they're still, they're doing what they do. They put on a show. So rather than try and revive the Muppet show yet again and have that, you know, that vaudevillian comedy that people aren't going to get now, um, I thought that was so great. And I agree with you. I wish that that's how they picked it up. I had a really hard time getting into Muppets now also. Um, and it grieves me to say, I think this is kind of how you have to do it because I don't know that they can hold a kid's attention span. I think short form, you know, if you want to have something that kids now want to watch, I think the short form is the way to go. But I just personally didn't like it. Like, I I appreciate what they're trying to do, like giving the Swedish chef the cooking segment and, and trying to give everybody, you know, making Miss Piggy the lifestyle. So it is it is modern. It definitely relates to what is going on now, but I think that's it. The the purest in me is what doesn't like it. August we got Magic Camp. This was a very fun movie. It what I kind of anticipated it to be like uh Burt Wonderstone meets heavyweights, and it wasn't <laughs> exactly that, but it was still a fun concept. Was it predictable? Of course it was. You know what the film's going to be because we've seen it a hundred times. Whether it be a heavyweights or meatballs, you know what it's going to be. But it was fun nonetheless. And and that's what, you know, when you talk about, oh, I wish they would do more of this, I wish they would do more of this, this movie is very much, it's much of the same, but it didn't feel like a rehash. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. We recently reviewed Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes, with Nicolas Cage. Uh, so you can go back and listen to that episode. We only did it uh, back co- in November. Yeah. It was yeah, like a month or so ago. Um, and one of the things that we really found funny about that film was that they sort of made a joke of Chris Angel. And, and they made this like 
has been or never was glam rock magician character. And he was just so funny. So I like that they didn't necessarily do that here. Like, yes, you do have a very successful commercial magician um, in the girl character whose name escapes me. I'm sorry. Um, But she wasn't the butt of a joke. And it made for a good conflict as far as uh, her and Adam Devine. So the story had substance and it was a really fun watch. Howard got released. That was a, that's a documentary that we were so excited to finally see get to Disney Plus because we had seen this a couple of years ago at the Tribeca Film Festival and, and attended a Q&A with Don Hahn after, who is as wonderful a person as you think he is. The way he, there are some people I have met that I see them on television or I hear them on the radio and then I meet them in person and I go, oh, you're not on stage anymore, so this is how you really are. Don Hahn is as genuine and as real as you think. And, and as warm as he comes across. And and that shows through in his work. Yes. Especially mm-hmm. when he does things like Waking Sleeping Beauty and Howard. I think that this was one of the titles that I was the most excited for. I had kind of hoped it would have been a launch day title because I think the story of Howard Ashman, if you are a fan of Disney, is a story that needs to be told. Absolutely. I think... You know, to me, it is the most powerful part of Waking Sleeping Beauty. Um, I, I mean, the the whole story and the whole history of what that animation department went through is absolutely incredible. But when they finally hit their stride and they're just knocking out hit after hit after hit, and that's juxtaposed against losing Howard. I mean, that that does sound like a fiction, and it's not. When you lose the person who contributed so much, but I don't think people realize how much he did not just with the lyrics of our favorite songs, but what he did for story. And he was such, he was so knowledgeable when it came to musicals and just the story structure. He really did make such incredible contributions to what we know now and, and change the scope of a lot of our favorite stories for the better. I mean, they were going to cut part of your world and he fought for it. He is the type of individual that I see having a biopic on Disney plus. I feel like, and and I mean, saving Mr. Banks is not necessarily a biopic, but you do get Tom Hanks as Walt Disney. But I feel like Neil Patrick Harris. uh, Yeah. I feel like you would, you would and. And I kind of feel like you should get a Howard biopic on Disney Plus even before you get a Walt biopic. But I don't think the company is interested in doing a, a, a film about Walt Disney. I, and I think they've even gone on to say as much. It was one thing to have Tom Hanks play him, but because th- that wasn't about Walt Disney. That was about the making of Mary Poppins when they did it in Saving Mr. Banks. But I would love to see his story go to screen as a feature-length film. Right, because it's also not just what he did for Disney, too. He did so much for the Broadway community, and people forget about Little Shop of Horrors. That was all him. Absolutely. September, Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. This was really well done. I love that they brought Josh Gad in. It shows that the man can do everything. But I feel like at a time where cast members, where especially when, when if you're a fan of Disney parks and you felt for these people and, and you felt like you were so far away from them, I love that you not only felt that you were close to them again, but I love that you put a spotlight on some of the most important people at Walt Disney World than those veterinarians working with these animals who care for them 24-7 and love them just as much as you do. I think, you know, that was such an important thing to showcase because a lot of, you know, there there's people who will still say that they're not treating the animals right, and I don't think that that's the case at all. I think that these animals have the best care possible. Um, but as far as the, the series goes, this was an interesting one because I I get why they did it. This wasn't 
a Disney Plus title. It was on Disney Plus, but under the National Geographic banner. So I was very curious to see how much or how little they were going to Disneyfy it. And then when I found out Josh Gad was narrating, I was like, okay, so this is going to be really Disney heavy. But um, they didn't shy away from things the way that I thought they would. I I thought it was just going to be, you know... This zebra got a runny nose, and that's the biggest <laughs> drama of all. Exactly. I, I didn't think they were going to show major injuries. I certainly didn't think that they were going to show reproducing certain species and and how much they were going to show of that, but they did. Um, So I think that this was a really well-balanced show for the Nat Geo audience and also something that you could do that kids could watch and understand. And I also, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing for kids to see because who knows what that inspired. You know, if you, you think veterinarian and you think... I'm going to go be a dog or a cat doctor. You don't realize that being a vet could lead you to a career like this and and could lead you to working at Disney. October, the world changed. The child has a name. I'm going to try and keep this brief because I, I suspect that we will do eventually a show about season two of Mandalorian. I mean, we did season one. It's only fair. But I will go on record now. I've said it amongst our social circle, and I am willing to go on this platform, and and I will put it out into the universe, that I think years from now, we will look back on The Mandalorian as perhaps the greatest show in the history of television. I don't even look at it as television. I mean, part of that is because it's part of the Star Wars universe, but it's just so epic every single time. John Favreau is a genius. Pedro Pascal. I mean, so good. All incredible. And I think the way it's shot is revolutionary. I think where they're taking Star Wars for a lot of people is is going to save Star Wars. Um and I cannot wait until Christmas Day of next year to get season 3. We've already pissed 2020 away. Let's not piss 2021 now too. Well, I'm just saying I wish I could watch it now. And I'm excited to see where they go from here and that's the most I will say about it. Because otherwise, we're going down a rabbit hole. It also makes me very excited for what is to come with everything else that they've announced in the Star Wars universe, which we did another bonus episode on because on Investor Day, Disney just kept packing punches. So we do have a reaction episode. November, you got Inside Pixar. Again, this is kind of one of those little vignette, one day at Disney sort of things. Um... It was fine. It was good. Um, it's that little bit of behind the scenes. A lot of st- uh, stories about things that are on their way or things that had recently been released uh, to Disney+. Plus. I, yeah, I mean, I'm repeating myself. I love the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I would have liked to have seen them stretched out a little bit more. Like, I could have watched more than five minutes of it. I think if I have any criticism of it at all. I agree. I definitely wanted more because the show is not only demonstrating what these people do for Pixar, but they blend it in their life outside of the company. And I think that's so important because Pixar is such a creative environment. These people are injecting so much of themselves into their work. So I really enjoyed learning about what their hobbies are, how that does relate to their day to day. And, you know, a lot of what the women of the company are doing to, to, you know, not only change the work environment at Pixar, but just the work environment in the industry in general, I thought was really interesting. So I, I thought this was such a great series and I definitely wanted more of it. Moving into December, we got Godmothered released on Disney+. Plus. We kind of gave a quick reaction at the tail end of one of our episodes a few weeks ago. So just to recap quickly, it was fun. It was funny. 
It didn't feel like a ripoff of Enchanted, although I do feel that Enchanted was the better film. But I said it then, and I'll say it again. God, you know, there are certain movies that I I watch a couple of times. The more I see it, the more I like it. And I feel like Godmothered is going to be a film that the more I watch, the more I take away, and the more I enjoy it. Yeah, I think I need another couple of viewings to appreciate it more. I enjoyed it very much. I think I would have found it a lot funnier if we lived in a world without Enchanted because mm-hmm. they did it first. Did they do it better is yet to be determined. But what I do like about Godmother is that it, it it's in line with a lot of these new, the new twists on fairy tales that the happy ending isn't always you know, Prince Charming and riding off into the sunset. And I think this one delivered a very important message. I don't want to spoil the ending for those who haven't seen it yet. Um, A movie that I will definitely not need another viewing of for, well, no, I can't even say that. I'll take that back because I do, I am going to be watching it again soon, is Mulan. Um, We can argue that it came out in September. But we didn't pay $30 for it. So we're counting this as a December release when it came out to all of Disney Plus as it should have. Yeah, it's just it, it's just not great. I, and and we, we do have a review coming soon. So f- to save the rest of it for when we do a full-on episode, I, th- I don't like the animated film and I thought that that was better than this one. I would hate to spoil our review. But I'm glad we didn't pay for it. Let's put it that way. Uh, But we are going, we're keeping it brief because what we are going to do is uh, for January, we're going to spend the month revisiting the big Disney Plus drops of this year. So we're going to do Soul, we'll do Mulan, and we will do Onward. And then uh, we'll have a roulette at yeah. the end of January. But those are our plans for the next couple of weeks. Right. And obviously Soul just dropped. So seeing as you're going to hear us discuss it next week, I'm not even going to get into it uh, right now. Now, I want to finish on something that I started to say at the beginning of this episode and how revolutionary and how groundbreaking Disney Plus was. You're now seeing things like HBO Max um, that are that are springing up. And I think... Certainly, the precedent has been set for this to slowly become the end of cable television as we know it, which is fine for me personally. What I do fear, and I know Disney said on Investor Day, and it made me it made me feel better that they are still focused on theatrical releases. But I am concerned for all the good that it does. And it is a treasure trove for va- for value on the dollar. There's nothing better than Disney+. Plus. And I am so thankful that we have it. But there is a part of me that fears what this is going to do to the movie-going experience. I don't care that I'm in my mid-30s and I may sound like a child. There is something exciting to me about going to a movie theater on a Friday night Day a film gets released, getting my nice hot buttery popcorn and my jumbo soda and sitting in a movie theater and experiencing a film. I believe I've said it on this show before and I will say it again. And I don't care how many times I need to say it. Seeing Avengers Endgame in a sold out movie theater on release night was as loud, fun and exciting as almost any playoff game I've gone to in professional sports. And I would hate to think that that is eventually going to go away. So for as much as I love Disney+, Plus, there is a part of me, I hate to say it, that is cautiously optimistic with what is going to come in the future. Make no mistake, the film industry is going to be hurting for a while. However... I don't think that theatrical releases are ever going to be rendered obsolete. And I think that there's hope because what's to say that they're doing a big drop on Disney plus or or for argument's sake, let's just take Mulan. Sure. Came out in September. The weather's still really nice. What's to say that, you know, the Smiths didn't purchase it and view it on their, backyard movie theater set up invite 
and invite, you know, three of the neighbors. So now you've got, although you shouldn't be gathering with this many people right now. Eventually you'll be able to. Eventually you will. Yes. But now you've just screened the movie for, let's say, 20 people. But one person paid for it. Thirty dollars. That is going to become a problem down the road that you're not getting those ticket sales anymore. So I think there were a lot of adjustments made for this year, especially with things like HBO Max, like uh, CBS All Access, like Peacock, that they're now just trying to pivot and keep up with Disney+. Plus. I think that's a product of 2020. I think they had to do it faster than they ever would have to try and compete because they were trying to capitalize on people being home. So I don't know that this is going to be a long-term solution because it, it's the equivalent of sharing your next your Netflix password. They had to figure that one out and eventually they'll account for this too, is that you're getting too many people watching and not enough people paying for it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting you know, you said the word earlier, pivot. I think that's what they did this year. I think it's what we're going to start seeing in 2021 as well. But obviously, I think things are taking a turn for the better. But I'm very interested and excited to see the, all of the content that is coming in this upcoming year. And and that's not just from Disney, because there were a lot, as we are a Disney podcast, but there are a lot of studios and a lot of studio employees that didn't see their work get put to screen just yet. And so I'm excited for all of those people to finally showcase their work. Yes, we have much to look forward to next year, but we want to thank you, each and every one of you, so much for this year, for making the time to listen to us. We know a lot of you were listening to us on your commutes, which obviously changed when everyone started working from home. And we so appreciate that you still found the time to make us a part of your weekly routine. We appreciate it. We love hearing from you guys. uh, And we look forward to bringing you much more content next year. So have a very happy and healthy new year, everyone. Yes, well said. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Monoreal Radio for our little year-end review. Don't forget, we are going to link uh, in the show notes some of those bonus episodes that we talked about and some of those past episodes. But you can also go and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget after you subscribe to also rate and review and share the show. We have links to all of the episodes and all of the social media online at monorealradio.com. And you can always email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Have a happy and safe new year. Okay. And we can't wait to talk to you all again next week when we sit to review Soul. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.